Oracle. 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 Putting the E in e-learning. Wednesday 13th of April 2005 and I'm Derek Morrison, editor of Oracle. In today's podcast I'm talking to John Dale who is head of development at eLab at the University of Warwick here in the UK. Uh, welcome John. Hi Derek, it's nice to be talking to you. Um, first of all let's try and provide some uh, background for our listeners John. Uh, I'd like to explore what eLab is about, uh, wh- what it actually does. It's actually a, a collection of slightly um, different activities, and the easiest way to um, uh, think about it is, is to step back to just before we brought it into being, if you like, and, and think about the problem we were trying to solve. Um, we'd done a fairly comprehensive review, I suppose about five years ago now, of um, our IT provision in general at Warwick and um, the way in which we thought different aspects of IT were going to become important over the next period, our um, e-strategy review, we called it. Um, and one of the things the G review identified was that we weren't really providing very much central support for people wanting to do things on the web. Actually, in the general, it's people wanting to do anything at all on the web, but in particular, uh, people with an interest in doing teaching and learning-related activities on the web. Um, and we didn't really have a, a focus within our IT services uh, for that kind of activity, um, nor a focus for um, the more sort of developmental aspect of uh, our work. And so our plan really was to um, to bring into being this, this new unit, this eLab unit, um, partly as a, a kind of an external focus so that we could say to people, um, if what you're interested in is, is web stuff, is teaching and learning stuff, um, then there is somewhere to go within IT services. Uh, this is the, the group that you can contact. Um, and partly also because uh, it was starting to look to us as if we might want to be trying to put some sort of development effort into uh, building new ways to support these people. Um, and eLab was both a place that people could go to and um, the place where this kind of development work would uh, would happen. Uh, and that's more or less how it's panned out. Um, in fact, eLab uh, has expanded to cover other things as well. Our um, corporate systems team are also based here and they do um, so, uh, our applications like uh, payroll and HR and so on, but also applications which increasingly are bleeding over into um, the teaching and learning space. So our student record system actually turns out to be a, a hugely important asset uh, when you start thinking about e-learning. So it's um, fortuitous. I'd like to say well-planned, but I'll stick with fortuitous um, that uh, these groups are actually together in the same place and, and can collaborate. Okay. Um, well, I suppose the $6 million question is, why didn't you just go around the traditional uh, uh, proprietary VLE route that, as other universities have done? Huh. Um, well, uh, to start with, we were uh, absolutely open to the idea that that might be a, a good fit for what we wanted to do. Um, we did experiment for about a year, I think it was, uh, using a, a VLE and trying it out with a number of our academic colleagues and um, exploring with them what it was that they liked, what they didn't like, um, what they would want this thing to be able to do if they were to get up and, and continue to use it into the future. Uh, and all the way through that process, we were um, open on the question, is this going to be a, a kind of a good solution to our needs? And there were absolutely things about it that our um, academics and actually our technical staff really liked and thought, this works really well and, and is a great fit. But there were also some things which didn't work so well, didn't seem to be a good fit. Uh, it was a, a kind of a third class of problem where... Um, there were things that people wanted to do that just didn't seem to be there at all. And what started to become clear to us was that if we um, adopted 
the VLE that we've been trialling, then we would be in the slightly unfortunate position, perhaps, of having to say to our academic colleagues who came along and said to us, what you've got here is great, but I want to do X, where X is, is some new feature. Um, hard luck, essentially. Uh, you can't do X with this platform, and there is nothing we can do about that. And the platform is what it is. Um, if you like what it does and what it does is efficient for you, then that's great. If not, then, you know, we don't have a solution. We don't, we don't have a way forward at this point. And we didn't really want to, um, to back ourselves into that position if we could possibly help it. Uh, so... We then started to explore a little bit wider than, than VLEs and we started to kind of cast the net out into content management systems more generally to see whether they looked like a good fit. Um, and we used the requirements that we gathered from our VLE exercise and the requirements that were emerging from our, our conversations with academics to try to figure out what kind of, uh, of set of applications, if you like, would uh, make people happy. Uh, and we've more or less gone on from there, I guess. Okay, so is, is it fair to say that Warwick has gone along a sort of e-tool route? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, not so long ago, got back from the Emerging Technologies Conference in um, uh, San Diego, and one of the, the themes floating around there, which I really like, is um, small things loosely coupled. Mm. Um, and although we hadn't uh, heard that until we got there, as soon as we heard it, we kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, that's what we've been doing all this time. What a great way of describing it. Mm. Um, and so, yes, we're what we're trying to do, essentially, is not have one sort of overarching monolithic system that um, houses everything and does everything, but rather have a, um, a set of tools, each of which is, is fit for a particular purpose, but all of which can sort of interoperate and can share data and um, share base services like authentication and so on, and which you can uh, join up and, and repurpose as you see fit. Yeah, that's a, a kind of a grandiose vision, and I, I put my hand on my heart and say we're not there yet, and there's a, you know, a long, long way to go, but that's the kind of thing we're aiming for. Okay, so let's take it as a, an example of one of these e-tools, and the primary uh, focus of our, of our discussion for this afternoon is the is the blog builder um, mm. a, a, a tool. What's the history of that specific one? Okay, um, this dates back to um, late 2003, start of 2004. Um, when we were having a number of conversations around the institution about um, a number of different problems. Um, one of the problems was that we'd introduced a, a content management system which allowed for the publishing of, of departmental and corporate uh, information. Um, and that had been pretty successful. We we'd, um, were quite pleased with the extent to which people were using it to publish their um, departmental stuff, their teaching and learning stuff, their administrative stuff. But it wasn't aimed at students. Um, uh, there wasn't really a, a space within Site Builder, which is what our CMS is called, um, uh, for students to do their own personal publishing. Um, like many universities, we've always uh, offered students an option to have uh, a web page. But the option has been kind of constrained by the fact that you had to know enough to be able to do it. So we said, OK, here's a, you know, a space that's available to you on an Apache server. Provided you can write an HTML file, provided you can FTP it into place, and provided you can twiddle the permissions um, to work as you want them to, then you can have a web presence. And of course, there are some students for whom that's no problem at all, and they just um, pick it up and go. But there's a large majority of students for whom that just doesn't work at all. So they were kind of excluded from the personal publishing space. Um, and so we wanted to lower that bar to entry, if you like, and say, actually, anybody who wants to be able to, uh, to publish on the web should be able to do so. We've sort of solved that problem for our academic and administrative colleagues. We'd like to solve it with students as well. And then in parallel with that, we were um, also having conversations about personal development planning uh, and e-portfolios and the question of how Warwick, like every HE institution, was going to face up to its responsibilities to make sure that it was supporting students in this way. 
And it seemed to us in the course of those conversations that, that blogs or some form of personal web publishing might be a, a useful tool in that space. Um, and then lastly, we were um, also contemplating questions of, if you like, um, community and, and collaboration and whether there was more we could do to sort of make a, a virtual space that would in some sense um, uh, help to benefit and grow the idea of a Warwick community and, and help to people to, to find people that they had things in common with and to collaborate with them um, and to encourage creativity uh, outside of the, the pure course uh, uh, aspect of people's studies. We know that there are an awful lot of people who um, do courses where creative prose writing just isn't part of their syllabus in any meaningful way and we thought it would be interesting to, uh, to pl- supply tools to people where we could say effectively, you know, you can go nuts here, you can, you can more or less um, do what you want, write what you want, use it for whatever purpose comes into your head um, and see whether it turns out to be valuable for them and interesting for us as an institution. Okay, so but why not use something like um, um, Blogger, Live Journal, or Movable Type? Why, you know, why build a, an original tool for this? Well, um, actually, we looked very, very hard at a number of, of um, commercial options because it was awfully tempting, I think, to say uh, there are these very well-established frameworks. If we pick one of these and use it, we'll benefit from all the um, changes and improvements that they make to their systems. But there were a number of, of constraints that we felt we had to satisfy. Um, one of them was, was scalability. We have, I think, about 15,000 students here. We didn't know how many of them would want to blog, but we were fairly sure that we needed to be able to cope with thousands, possibly tens of thousands of blogs um, within our system. Um, so it needed to scale to be able to host that many blogs, and we needed the kind of the management tools and the administrative tools to support that number of blogs. So we needed a system that, that would um, scale well to fairly large numbers. Um, we have done all our previous bits of development in um, Java. So it was attractive to us in principle to say, could we find something that runs uh, in Java? We knew from our previous experiences that it was quite likely that we would want to add new features and do new things as, as time went by. So we were looking for a system that would allow us to do some sort of extensibility. And... Um, we also wanted the kind of the architectural fit with our other systems. We wanted to be able to use our same web sign-on system that we use with everything else. We wanted um, to be able to integrate with our other tools so that uh, site builder pages, for the sake of argument, could have little blog this icons on them that would um, connect you straight to our, our blogging system. Um, and the collective um, result of all these constraints was that we didn't really see anything um, out there in the market that really looked like uh, it would satisfy all of those things. A couple of things came close, I think. Live journal is very scalable and, and fitted quite a lot of our requirements. Um, and TypePad was just starting to emerge then, and we did make some inquiries about whether we could have our own instance of, of um, TypePad for, for the institution. But at that stage, um, Six Apart hadn't got around to thinking about the institution model for these things. Um, so we, we couldn't look anything out there. So um, there was at least an argument in favour of building things. And for me as a manager, the, the kind of the last remaining question to ask myself is, well, am I reasonably confident that uh, we can do this sort of thing? And since we'd done it before on, on two or three occasions with other applications, and since I had people who were saying, you know, I'm interested in doing this, I want to do this, I believe I know um, technically how it can be done and how we can solve the sort of problems we have, I was reasonably comfortable saying, OK, this, this looks like a, a credible way for us to proceed. Okay, so what would you actually say are Blog Builder's unique selling points, and if you were to highlight a few of them? Huh. Um, hmm, interesting. Well, um, it's... First of all, it satisfies our, our kind of um, local constraints about scalability. We have a few thousand blogs right now, and it's not really going to be a problem for us to double, triple, or quadruple those numbers over the coming years. We're fairly comfortable that we'll be able to cope with that. 
um, we're reasonably well integrated with our other systems. So if you sign in once anywhere on um, Warwick's various web places, you're signed in everywhere, including in your blog. So um, that's nice for us. Um, we're quite well integrated with um, a lot of our other um, back-end services, if you like. So when you go into Warwick Blogs, it's possible for you to say, I'd like to see the blogs of everybody in the chemistry department, say, or everybody who's taking the module LA101 Introduction to Law, or everybody who's on the same course as me. Um, and again, those are, are things which require you to, to be able to hook into your other systems and, and uh, ask them questions like, uh, who else, you know, what modules am I doing? Who else is doing those modules? What department am I in? Who else is in that department? Um, so we've got that kind of functionality. Um, We've added a feature into our particular system called Blog Prompts, um, where it's possible for someone who uh, wants to kind of pose a question, if you like, um, a tutor on a course, let's say, or um, someone who is working with a, a group of colleagues, uh, to push a question out to everybody's blog, and the, the prompt shows up as a kind of a, an icon that you can click on. And then when people answer that question, um, all those answers are available collectively uh, for everyone to go and look at. So we have more sort of um, uh, collaborative and sharing features than perhaps we would have been able to get just out of the box. Sounds like you're um, moving into knowledge management territory almost. Um, well, it could be, I suppose. It's early days for that sort of thing, I guess. Mm. Uh, the blog prompts was just an experimental way of answering the question that a number of people had for us, which is um, how can we make sure that, that, um, that people are going to write about the sort of things that we want them to write about um, at the time that we want them to. Sure. So if you're thinking about personal development planning, say, you might want at the end of the first term to ask your students to reflect on um, how their first term has gone, how they've changed, what they've learned since they got here, what went well, what went badly, and so on. Um, and allowing people to kind of um, prompt blog users to, uh, to do something on this subject and then see all the um, responses collectively seemed like a one possible answer to that uh, problem. And I, I'm sure there are others, and I don't know whether we've kind of nailed it yet, but this idea of, of the blog not just being a, a personal private vehicle, but being also a part of a community is quite important to us. Excellent. How do you go about selling Blog Builder at Warwick, then? <laughs> uh, we had a, 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 a marketing campaign, which actually I, I personally really enjoyed. Um, it's uh, it was a relatively new thing, I think, for um, for IT services as a department to think about um, to marketing one of its services, one of its tools, if you like. Um, it's, it's not something that necessarily comes naturally uh, to us. We think of ourselves as, as kind of service providers and we think of ourselves as developers to some extent, but um, I, until relatively recently, I don't think we necessarily thought of ourselves in, particularly as um, evangelists or, or marketers or whatever um, word you want to choose. But we figured that we had to try, since this was a relatively new idea and, and um, uh, was going to be natural to some of our students and, and colleagues, but not necessarily to all of them, that we needed to work hard to try and explain what it was we were trying to do and why we thought people might want to give it a go. Um, and so we constructed a, a fairly elaborate marketing campaign. And at, at this point, we kind of cursed the fact that we're audio only and not video. Otherwise, I would be showing you our um, posters and our billboards and our fridge magnets and what have you. Um, but we constructed a series of, of uh, slogans and um, kind of taglines for our system and very simple instructions about if you wanted to blog, how you could uh, go about doing it. And then we uh, produced all these materials and spent a certain amount of time distributing them around the campus. Um, we had a, a, an enormous kind of 15-foot wide poster in our um, main university building that was very, very uh, striking. Um, I can give people a URL where uh, they can go and look at this stuff if anyone's interested because we, we kept a gallery of the kind of things that we did. Oh, um, sure. And I'll, I'll just look it up in a second. And mm -hmm. we... 
supported the idea that um, we wanted people to see this not just in an academic context but in a personal and, and social context as well. So we went into halls of residence and, and put fridge magnets and um, drinks coasters and little postcards out there so that um, people would um, uh, see this stuff not just as something that was being um, uh, targeted at them because it was part of the um, teaching and learning process, but because it was part of the whole kind of Warwick experience, if you like. And that sounds a bit um, pretentious, but we wanted people to just be able to approach it with whatever um, goals they had in mind, rather than saying, we have built this for you to do this with. Um, and so we had a whole series of, um, of taglines and quotes that we pulled out from various things. Um, I'm going to write it right because I just can't help it, which I think is a Bronte quote. Um, uh, and a quote from Einstein and various other quotes and um, a quote from Confucius for our um, fairly large Chinese population. In fact, we did some Chinese posters which look great to me, although I don't actually know that they, what my uh, colleagues say they do. I'm taking it on track. Um, and I think it was reasonably successful. It was quite a good-looking campaign and um, we got a lot of sort of favourable response, not just from the students who um, uh, saw the marketing materials and decided that they would start blogging, but also from our colleagues who said, actually, you know, it's a really interesting approach to, to, um, to try to uh, visually um, market this stuff in a, in a way that maybe we haven't tried before. So it was a, it was a really Very fun project, and I'm, I'm quite proud of the uh, materials that we created. Something we perhaps can all learn from there, I think. How many accounts have you got, then, uh, blog builder accounts? Uh, I'll go and look for you in just a second. Um, mm -hmm. If you want the um, URL for where all the um, uh, publicity material is, by the way, it's mm -hmm. uh, go.warwick.ac.uk slash blog publicity, all one word. Okay, thanks for that. Um, as for how many blogs we've got at the moment, um, it's actually on the page of the, the blog system, so it's reasonably easy to check. Um, 3,175. Okay, and that's over what sort of time period again? Uh, well, we started piloting in May 04, but the pilot was intentionally constrained down to about sort of 40 accounts or so. Mm -hmm. um, and then we opened it up to absolutely everybody in October 04. So that's since the start of academic year 045. Can we give a, a listener some idea of the scope of usage at Blog Builder? Uh, by that, I mean, what's it be actually being used for? What types of things is it being used for? Uh, well, it's a very um, wide mix, really. Um, Again, to some extent, people can can check this for themselves because uh, an awful um, lot of the content that's available in Warwick Blogs is just world viewable. So if you go to blogs.warwick.ac.uk and there's a, a link right there on the homepage that says read all the latest on Warwick Blogs, so you, you can follow that link and uh, read the last kind of 100 posts or so and, and see what kind of stuff is in there. Um, I'm just looking down the list right now um, and I'm seeing some stuff about... Um, uh, the upcoming um, general election, people discussing who you should vote for. Um, I'm seeing some stuff about Irish Women Writers Database Project. Um, I'm seeing some stuff about a soft, tuddly, cuddly toy called Bruno. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's good to say you're, you're both getting what would count as informal usages, and you, are you getting more formal usages actually within modules, units, courses? Um, a little bit. I think it's very early days for that. You know, changing the way that, that people choose to teach a module is you know, kind of like steering an oil tanker. It, you've got to expect that it's going to take a while because um, people need to persuade themselves that there is some value in this new approach, and that's not a process that takes you know, weeks or months. It takes years. Um, on the other hand, I know that there are, are some blogs where uh, a group of students who've been asked to um, work collectively on a project have used the blog as a way of kind of recording their activities on those projects, um, and they've used the blog to say, okay, we've agreed that so-and-so is going to do this for our next meeting, and someone else is going to do that, and somebody else is going to do the other. 
Um, there are a bunch of draft essays up on the system that are, are published in such a way that either a tutor or fellow uh, students can comment on those things. Um, there's a blog called something like cultural entrepreneurship, something like that, where everyone who contributes to the blog has been asked to write their idea for a new business, and so the blog is actually a collection of ideas for new businesses, and that's just a fascinating read, because they're so wildly divergent from each other. There's everything from um, sort of uh, new shoe shops to um, wine delivery to half a dozen other things, and that was a very entertaining thing to read. What would you say has been the response of your staff and students to the introduction of Blog Builder? Um... Well, it's clear, I think, that that we have a group of students who are very keen on on blogging indeed and who blog frequently and uh, value the system a lot and comment on each other's blogs and so on. But that group isn't of itself huge, I don't think. So it would be wrong to point to them and say, well, these... This group of students really love this, and so we can conclude from that that the whole thing is a great success and that everybody should blog. That would be a you know a leap too far. Um, and I think there is a significant proportion of our academic staff who have yet to try the system and have yet to see what the value might be in the context of their teaching and their research. Um, and that's right and proper, and as it should be. I, you know, I, I don't think we should necessarily say to people, ha, we've made blogs and it's absolutely great and you can take our word for it. Um, uh, everyone should have a chance to look at it and say, well, I can see a way that I can use this in, in some of the work that I'm doing, and um, other people should come along and say, well, actually, for my particular purposes, I don't really have a use for this. I've already got all my course con- content up on the web. I already communicate with my students quite freely, and um, you know, I, I don't have a need for this additional extra channel particularly. Mm. Um, Institutionally, I think the university has been incredibly open-minded and supportive about, about trying something which is really pretty experimental and, and um, you know, uncertain in terms of what the outcome would be. And the university has also been very um, tolerant and relaxed, I think, about the range of kind of content that uh, goes into Warwick Blogs. Obviously, we have a, an acceptable use policy, but at the same time... Um, the university I think, is comfortable acknowledging that there will be criticism um, on blogs and there will be debate on blogs and um, you know every so often the debate will get heated and the criticism will get trenchant but so far I think the university has never uh, turned around and said well the system is, is clearly unacceptable because people are saying bad things on it so um, I feel that we've been quite lucky in a sense to work in an institution which is prepared to try this kind of thing out So you haven't been required to police it rather heavily because I know that some universities would be rather anxious about just the thing you're the things you're actually referring to that basically people um, both academics and students perhaps being uh, critical of the system in whatever form that takes and indeed <laughs> some perhaps being perceived as abusive or where it may be and it it's it's um, it must be quite tempting at times to police this quite heavily but there again the corollary of that is basically that would be counterproductive to the uptake of something like a blog system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, relatively early on in the project, we had a number of conversations with um, people, not necessarily here at Warwick, and the thrust of the conversation was something like, you people are fools, because these are students you're talking about. They're not employees. You can't fire them. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's absolutely right. But I would say a couple of things have, have worked out reasonably well. The first is that um, we do obviously have an acceptable use policy that determines the use of all IT facilities, not just blogs, um, and it contains the same sort of thing that every university acceptable use policy has. You may not do anything that um, harassment, that's obscene, that's pornographic, that's in breach of um, IP law and so on. So we have a series of, of, of fairly clear-cut cases where it's appropriate for us intervi- to intervene, where we see that something is 
um, clearly just a, a, a blatant piece of plagiarism where we see something that's nothing more than, than trivial name-calling or abuse, um, then we believe that it's uh, appropriate to respond. Um, and then there's a kind of a, a, a greyer area somewhere in the middle where you think, well, is it appropriate for us to get involved in the case where there is just strong language being um, uh, expressed or where people are expressing views which are kind of offensive to some people perhaps but they're not necessarily um, completely untenable or illegal views in some sense Um, and there it's more difficult and we do we've observed two things going on here I think the first is that from the outset we um, tried to make our position very clear that we weren't going to proactively uh, monitor it police blogs. Instead, we were going to introduce a kind of a report a problem function and every single blog entry on the system has a hyperlink at the bottom of it that says report a problem and if you click on that hyperlink, you get invited to um, submit some details um, check one of our possible causes for concern and, and supply some notes about what the problem is and when we get those reports we go and look at the entry in question and if we think there's a, uh, a problem there we act on it usually by contacting the author of the, of the blog and having a discussion with them about whether it's appropriate. Okay. And that's worked reasonably well for us. Um, after uh, you know a little kind of burst of experimentation near when the near the start of the launch, when people were very keen to say whether you could, you know, can you put extremely strong language on a blog and, and get no reaction? Can you say things which are broadly speaking just offensive and get no reaction? Um, after that little sort of testing the waters uh, phase, which lasted no more than a month, I don't think, then things settled down and, and we didn't really see uh, any more behaviour of that sort. And on the question of um, strong opinions and and uh, opinions which perhaps could be offensive what we've to be particularly interesting is that the community is, is to some extent self-correcting in this sense so, um, we had a, a long and very interesting discussion about the Catholic Church and homosexuality which started out with some views that were pretty trenchant and, and arguably offensive and we ummed about whether we should be um, taking any action here but in fact what happened was that the comments that piled up after that blog entry acted as a sort of a corrective by um, exploring the issue with uh, a more um, reasoned debate and more insight and more kind of reflection um, so that by the end of the thread what had started out as just a kind of a, uh, a potentially offensive posting had become uh, actually a, a reasoned and interesting debate and the community had sort of taken something which was potentially problematic and transformed it into something that was actually uh, quite an asset so um, that's been a, a pleasant surprise in some sense that, that um, we don't have to do very much policing because to some extent the community not polices that's the wrong word but the the community has more insight and wisdom, if you like, than some of the more extreme individuals. Okay, but how much control do you give your students? Um, you know, basically, as I understand it, they, they can, they can, they can decide who views um, or who can post to their blogs. There's a, there's a degree of control that students have anyway, isn't there? So they, they yes, can actually restrict yes. the audience. Absolutely, um, and there are a number of different things that you can do there. You can restrict the audience for who can see your blog, so you can say, actually, I only want students at the university or staff and students at the university to see this. Um, you can restrict it more tightly than that and say, actually, I have a group of, of ten friends, and really, I'm just writing for them, and it's just those ten friends who can see this post. Um, and you can also control whether your post appears just on your blog or in the kind of the public aggregations of blogs if you like so we have a see all the recent entries page but when you write a blog post you don't have to have your entry um, show up there you can have it show up just on your blog and nowhere else Um, and you can also restrict who can comment on your blog Um, if you're going to say something sort of controversial or provocative and you allow anonymous comments then odds are that some of those anonymous comments may be kind of fairly trenchant in return so if you want to exercise slightly more 
control over that, you can say no. You have to be signed in to comment on on this post, so that you know I then have some degree of, of control over uh, who responds. Uh, and that's worked reasonably well. And we've tried to to guide our uh, users to some extent to say, if you are going to be sort of um, uh, provocative and try to stimulate debate and so on, you might want to think about restricting it to just your blog rather than putting it in a public blog where people will see your post out of context. People who don't necessarily know you will see the post. Um, and and um, just kind of ask yourself the question, is this the sort of thing which is appropriate for the whole world to see Google to index and make a record of um, and for people to respond to, or is it really something that's a bit more personal and a bit more private that you should restrict? And generally speaking, I think people are pretty good at thinking about those things. Okay. So how do you prepare your staff and your students, or do you prepare them at all? Um, we don't do a lot in, in the way of, of uh, preparation. We've done a number of presentations about why we built blogs and what kind of things we think they might be interesting for and, and um, people some examples of what we think are interesting. But that's not so much about how you drive the system. There we, we say to people, click on the link that says sign up here for a blog and actually everything from there on will be easy and you won't have a problem with any of it. And actually for the most part that's turned out to be true. We've had very few people who said, I can't work out how to post an entry um, or you know, I, I can't work out how to uh, go back and find my blog once I've set it up. Um, so the work we've done really has been more as a kind of a, a slightly more zoomed out level to say, well, how is this going and, and what can we tell people about it that's interesting, much as we're doing here, really. So we've done quite a lot of this sort of thing, but not very much in the sense of, of here's how you push a button to make things happen. So you find you haven't actually needed to do that? No. Um, we did quite a lot of work up front. And again, I suppose this is one of the virtues of, of uh, having the luxury of designing your own system. Uh, we did a bunch of with paper prototypes where we got people in and we asked them to use the paper prototype. And when they showed us what they thought would happen, we gave them a different piece of paper to, OK, here's what it looks like now. And of course, the great thing about that is that it's incredibly cheap and easy to change your mind. It's actually we're just wrong to assume that people would get this. They don't. We need to try again and, and build it differently. So we put quite a lot of effort in up front then in order to make sure that when the system actually went live, we didn't have to train every single person up individually. We'd got something that relatively simple. Okay. Okay, here's the, the, the big question. Uh, can we look forward to an open source uh, blog builder at some time in the future? Um, ideologically, I don't think we've got any problem with that. Um, we're, we've have always taken the view that it would be interesting to see what would happen if other institutions were able to make advan take advantage of this in some way. Um, and every so often someone comes along and, and says, actually, this looks really interesting. Could I um, have an instance of this try? Um, but the kind of the real world practical snag is well, there are two snags really. First is that it's tightly coupled into a lot of our other systems, so it relies for authentication on our sign-in system. It relies for knowing what department you're in and what course you're doing and so on on our um, uh, student record system, uh, and so on and so on. So the first thing we say to people is, if you wanted to try this, you'd have to be willing to kind of take the source code and decouple it from all our other systems and place it with linkages into your system, which means that you'd have to be, you know, uh, have a fairly good Java development uh, program go on and you'd have to have a back-end system to store your data in like Oracle um, and you'd have to have various bits and pieces or you'd have to sort of do without those chunks of functionality. Um, and it turns out that that puts pretty much everybody off, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, and then the second problem is, what do you do then in terms of, of support? Do we say to people, you can have it but you're completely on your own? Um, you know, from most people's point of view, that's not a, a hugely attractive proposition. But on the other hand, we're not geared up to offer technical support to a, a wide range of other users and, and institutions. We're just not um, uh, big enough or um, set up to do that sort of thing. So 
I think the answer in principle is absolutely yes. We'd be happy to entertain this idea, but in practice we haven't yet found a way in which it can be made to work. Okay. What's the future directions for Blog Builder then? Where can it go now? Well, um, there are a number of um, uh, sort of user-visible features, if you like, which are just on our to-do list um, that we think that everyone will, will get the benefit out of. We don't do trackbacks to external systems right now, and that seems a lame. We probably should do that. Um, we'd like to improve the kind of um, editing experience so that we... Um, uh, give people more of a, a sort of a, a WYSIWYG editor and, and simplify things still further. Um, we'd like to do more stuff with uh, RSS so that people can get feeds out of blogs in different ways. We'd like to do more stuff with images. It's a source of some astonishment to us that um, despite the fact that we put uh, images in more, not exactly as an afterthought, but we didn't do a huge amount of work on it. Uh, and yet there are 30, 35,000 images in there, um, even though you have to upload them one at a time through a painful web form interface. Now that staggered us because we thought to ourselves, we've, you know, before anyone will really start to use these images, we've got to do a whole bunch more work to make it more usable and more friendly and so on. But actually it turns out that people really, really want to do this. And even though it's painful to have to upload these photos one at a time, um, people are still willing to undergo that in order to get their images on the web. So we'd like to do a lot more there and, and make um, uh, blog support images better. and I th the other thing that's really interesting for us potentially is integrating with other things which are out there so um, delicious bookmarks for instance uh, photos that you might have stored in Flickr uh, your Amazon wish list um, uh, this kind of thing we'd like people to be able to bring in other things and say actually I have other content that lives outside of Warwick Blogs but I'd like it to be able to um, uh, to expose it here so that my sidebar will show you what my Amazon wish list looks like my sidebar will show you my 10 most recent delicious bookmarks this kind of thing um, it seems silly for us to try to build a system which does everything uh, uh, unilaterally and sort of internally when actually it would be better to point to other systems which are doing a really great job and say, you can incorporate some of this if you want. I guess it comes right back around to what we said earlier, small things coupled. Okay. Well, finally, um, what other e-learning tools or environments um, are in use or are in development um, at Warwick? Does anything you can actually tell us on that? Um, well, we have uh, web publishing in, in the um, more traditional content management sense, our, our site builder tool, which allows people to put e-learning, and for that matter, non-e-learning content up on the web relatively easily. Um, we have a discussion group system, uh, forums, which is the traditional sort of um, uh, threaded message type of thing. Uh, we are increasingly interested in um, what you might call uh, social software, software which allows people to... Um, uh, do things for themselves, but also get a kind of a, an aggregate shared view out of things. So um, I think one of the things that we're interested in in the future is the idea that um, in the same way that in blogs, you write your own blog, but in the act of writing your own blog, you're also contributing to some sort of community. We'd like to try and do more stuff that works like that, um, so that uh, instead of there being a kind of a um, a want-to-be publishing model where you're talking about a, a lecturer who uploads some content and says to his students, here is my content. Um, we have a model where lots of people are contributing uh, for themselves and it, it, the kind of the collective set of contributed stuff in some sense represents the content. So um, that's where we're trying to get to, although it's not a product or even a product name at this stage. It's just a, an aspiration. Okay, John. Well, I've, I've found that absolutely fascinating, and I'm sure our listeners will, uh, will will feel the same. And I think you know Warwick uh, seems to be, be being an example to us all. I think. Um, I'd like to thank you very much indeed for your time. And uh, this is Derek Morrison, editor of uh, Oracle, uh, signing off. Okay, thanks, Derek. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. Bye.